Jonah 4, 1-4 But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, I am a little bit of under the weather tonight, so just avoid me afterwards, okay? Just avoid me. That's why I was staying in personal quarantine there in the back. All right, um, those of you who aren't really poetry nerds or know T.S. Eliot, you'll probably know this. You'll know this section to impress all your friends and family with. Um, This is from uh, Courses from the Rock, and T.S. Eliot says this, O my soul, be prepared for the coming of the stranger. Be prepared for him who knows how to ask questions. And that's been our series. Uh, We have nine questions that God asks us. And uh, we've been saying this, or I've been saying this, so I'll say it again, is that uh, when God asks us questions, he doesn't need to gain knowledge. He's not trying to find out something he doesn't. Uh, The questions and the answers are for us. They're for us. And so the question for this week is posed to Jonah. And the question is, do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? I I love this portion, especially this last chapter of Jonah, because it just goes way beyond our Sunday school experience with Jonah. And I don't know if they showed a picture like this at all. And, but um, it's kind of a fantastical fish, a big fish as the, the words of Hebrew are literal, a big fish. But what I love about this is um, uh, whatever, whatever you heard in Sunday school about Jonah, I don't know if you've heard this, is that Jonah is a very bad prophet from beginning to end. Okay, so under the reign of Jeroboam II, he's the Israelite king at this time, uh, Jonah is one of Jeroboam's prophets. And like a slimy dirtbag he is, uh, he tells Jeroboam II, he says, you know, the Lord is gonna have great favor over you, Jeroboam II. And Jeroboam II is a rat. He's an absolutely wicked king. And so from the very beginning, Jonah is a very bad prophet. In fact, it's counter to Amos. Amos actually prophesied to Jeroboam too as well, and he's from the countryside. And he actually comes to Jeroboam too as a good prophet and says, the Lord is gonna take all favor from you, Jeroboam too. So here at the very beginning, you have Jonah is just a horrible prophet, a very, very bad prophet. Now, you may know the story. God says, go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to the Ninevites. They're the Assyrians. And Jonah says, no, I'm going to Tarshish. I mean, you guys have seen the Veggie Tales uh, movie, right? 
um, there's a storm and they throw him overboard because, uh, you know, they think uh, Jonah's responsible for it. Um, we don't know if it's a whale. The text says a big fish swallows him. Um, did you know that there's been other instances of people being swallowed by whale and being coughed up as well? He's vomited up. He goes to Nineveh. Um, and uh, we have this infantile version of Jonah, especially the Sunday school version, is that um, when Jonah changes his mind to go back to Nineveh, he's finally on the right path and he's obeying God and, every, and he's finally a good prophet. I mean, that's probably what you got from Sunday school. Uh, but no, no, from start to finish, he's still a bad prophet. Um, and to top it all off at the end, um, this is where we get just mad, angry, grumpy Jonah at the end of Jonah 4, and the text leaves him that way. So from start to finish, Jonah's a bad prophet. Maybe not what you wanted to hear, but he's angry. Now, uh, like you and, you and I, uh, when we get angry, we are, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm purposely using this, we are justifiably angry. Like when you get angry and I get angry, we have reasons why we are angry. Uh, so uh, one of them is, is that Jonah just doesn't like the Assyrians. So um, the, Nineveh is in Assyria, and this is kind of a depiction of ancient Nineveh. Um, we have real bas-reliefs from Nineveh. And so it's, it's, it's a beautiful, they have, they have taken and looted their, the countries around them, and they have built incredible cities. These are beautiful cities. Uh, well, one of the things that's amazing about them is, uh, go to the next one. Um, uh, they, would, they would pile high skulls of their defeated ones. Now, there are, um, go to the next one. There's, there's these bas-reliefs that we have from 8th, uh, 8th century BC. And the, the amazing thing about the Ninevites and also the Assyrians is that they were able to replicate they were able to replicate machines of war in a standardized thing. So you've probably seen Assyrian chariots, right? You got two guys out the back with their spears. And, but they were able to produce, almost before um, you know, factories, they were be able to re reproduce tons of war machines that were standardized and looked the same. And so that in these inscriptions, you'd, 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 have, you'd talk about the different rulers of Assyria and also Nineveh, and it, it would say it, it, they're, they're incredibly graphic. Now, now, it doesn't seem that bad because it's, it's ancient, ancient history, but their descriptions of how they would take um, 3,000 men and flay them, take their skin, and drape them over a wall, right? They would, put, uh, uh, um, they would, put, they would gather up all the adolescents, and they would put them, impale them on spikes, right? And put them outside the city walls, up on posts, wooden posts. Um, these, these are incredibly graphic inscriptions, and we think, oh, okay, that just violence is, is ancient. But if you pull that violence into modernity, right, uh, these Assyrian rulers stand up against um, Pol Pot, Hitler, Stalin, like, like they, they, they give these dictators a run for their money. Uh, there's another inscription that says uh, we're going to build outside of your cities that they came and conquered, we're going to build towers with the bones of your people. And so 
this is, this is Jonah, like, uh, he goes, I don't like you. I, I just don't like your, pe- like, you're, you're a very threat to my existence. You are horrifying. Why would I ever want the message of my God to come to you? Um, so, to Jonah, justice actually seems like a better tack than the compassion of God. I want the justice of God, not the compassion of God. And so this is what he does, and you can read this in the text, is he says this, I knew this, I knew this about you, I knew that you were compassionate. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And he's selective about a portion of the character of God, and he's holding it up against God. I knew that you're compassionate, and you're not being just. So he's, only, he's selectively picking something about God. Now, this is, this is the subtext, is like, I want to know where your justice is for all of this horrifying scenery. Like, you, you can just think of modern examples, and you say, where is your justice? Okay, this is what he also is angry at. He's angry that he is an instrument of God's compassion and kindness. Now, now think of this, think of this. This has got to be, it's a death wish rolling into Nineveh. This has got to be one of the worst sermons that was ever preached. Hey, listen up, dirtbags. Um, repent or you're going to be judged. All right, I don't, like, he doesn't care. He does not care. The worst sermon. Idiots. Hey, morons, pay attention. Guess what? God is going to judge you if you don't get it right. Like, and then, what? And then there's revival? Um, This is interesting. He's angry. He's so angry at this that at the end of uh, uh, Jonah 4, he says, I want you to... Get, just, just kill me. I'll, I'll take the final judgment. It, it, and by the way, it's why he wants to get thrown overboard. I, I, I'd, I'd rather die than obey. It, 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 it's gracious that God saves him. And do you know what's funny about that? He'd rather die and the men on the boat confess Yahweh. Again, worst sermon. I want to die. See you. And oh, we believe. Um, this is it. At the end of Jonah 4, he said, I would rather die than have those people become fellow tasters of grace and mercy and compassion. Like, and God says this. This is the amazing thing. He says, he calls Nineveh a great city. It says in the text, anywhere around 120,000 people, that's not counting all, all the attendant, um, either slaves or other um, people. God says, um, I look at that city, it's a great city, and they don't even know they're left from their right hand. They're like blind. And this is the amazing thing, is he even mentions the cattle in that city. I, we don't have time to do it now, but I want you to read, sometime devotionally, read Psalm 36 and overlay it on top of what you know about Nineveh. 
and you say, oh wow, this is the heart of God for an urban area. It even mentions in Psalm 37, man and beast you save, O oh Lord. Like, I, I care about the cattle. Um, it may be like this. I, I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but wh- whatever your team is, I'm just going to go with L.A. teams. <laughs> if you've been a fan of any team for a while, and then they enjoy some success make the finals, does it sort of make you a little upset when you see a lot of people with new gear on? You're like, hmm, that looks like it was recently purchased. I've been a fan a long time, and you've got a new lid on. Now that's sort of comical, but, but, but let's not get comical and let's do the same thing. Is I want you to think of, right? So, so we all privately have gotten fired up through every political season, at least privately. With your close friends, you let loose over the table. Okay, I, I just want you to, is like, do you want, this is, do you want the person that is adamantly in the opposite political camp of your ideology to sit next to you and be a part of this community and they will not change their political views. See, see like, like that, and that's not even as bad as like Nineveh, but he's like, I don't want them to have access to, I don't want to have to look at them as if they are image bearers. And God looks over a city and says, I see 120,000, this great sea, I, even the cattle. I, now, Jonah is so mad that revival happens. And he's still a bad prophet. So the revival happens, and they all repent. And he goes up onto the skyline, and I, I don't know the geography to the, where it was around Nineveh, but he finds a skyline, a hill, and he looks down at the city and he's angry at the city. Bunch of dirt bags. Um, builds a sh- little shelter there and, and God has this huge leafy plant grow up by the, 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 the shelter, blocking the sun from it, and he's like, this is great, it's windy, I can hate them in peace and shade. And then God comes and has a worm just take care of that plant in 24 hours. And then he gets mad again, and he goes, I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. Jonah is always wishing he's dead. Like, I want to be dead than whatever's happening. I'm so mad. And you know what God's point is? He says, you know what? None of those things are yours. You didn't make them. None of them. The plant, the worm, not yours. What's his point? Guess what? You didn't make those people either. They're not yours. They're mine. And by the way, a great city of people is more valuable to me than a plant or a worm. And that's the end of Jonah. His question doesn't seem to get answered. And we don't know what happened to the bad prophet Jonah. The question is, do you do well to be angry? 
And I think we're getting somewhere. Why do you get angry? Why do I get angry? Something has gone wrong and I am angry that it is not perfect. Whatever you are stewing in or whatever I am stewing in, it's because things are not the way they should be. Now, now there is sometimes, um, we have, all of us have immature tantrums like a kid that just says, I want cookie, I want cookie. And they're angry that they can't have cookie, right? We're, we're all prone to tantrums. Get it? Great. Awesome. I want cookie. I can't have cookie. Why you not give me cookie? Great. But there's a second form of anger, and um, as we age, our anger has become more and more justified. In fact, our anger in itself, by itself, as we emote, is justifying. Now, I want you to get this before I get, go somewhere else. We get angry as a way to make ourselves right, better, good, or superior. We treat our anger as a self-making, a self-righteous maneuver. So get this part before I go to the next one because you're gonna, be, you're gonna push up against it slightly. It's not that you and I, it's not that we have righteous anger. It's that our anger is making us righteous. Now you can be like, I don't know about that. That's actually a pretty big claim. And no, not, not for me. I just get ticked. All right. Let me show you something from the text. This is from the ESV. Um, ESV translation. It says this. The question that God has is, do you do well to be angry? Now, go to the next one. The being verb the ESV has is all about the anger. But in Hebrew, yatav is well. It is the verb of being. And it says this, that is being good, righteous, and beautiful. So a better paraphrase is this, a better translation is this. Go to the next one. Are you made good, right, and beautiful by being angry? That's what God is telling us in this question. He is saying this, is your anger, you think you're even your anger is making you righteous before me. It's not that you have righteous anger. It's that you think your anger is a good work. Right? All right. So the paraphrase this is, are you a full, perfect, flourishing human before me by the work of your anger? Are you justified by your anger? 
And God's question gets underneath our anger, doesn't it? You know how Jonah answers it? He goes, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, yes, I am, and you can kill me. I will take my chances that my anger is a good enough work. My anger against all that horror out there is a good, I will take my chances that that's a good enough work. Kill me. And then the account of Jonah is left hanging. Why? This is why the account of Jonah is left hanging. Because it had to be left hanging. Because it could never have been completed by Jonah. I want you to think of this. There is another man who looks over a city skyline. And in that city skyline, not Jonah, I'm talking about another man looking at a city skyline. He's looking, and the entire populace of that city wants him murdered. They want to put him on a wooden stake and post outside of the city limits. And does he rage? No, he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. This is John 19. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Wept over it. Would that you, even you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. You don't know your left from your right. He's a better Jonah, isn't he? A way bad prophet. Oh, much better prophet. He also says this. You don't take my life. I, I, you know what? I give my life. This is John 10. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I'm choosing. You're not doing this to me. I'm choosing to have it happen to me. But it's so that our anger, your anger, my anger, it's not a work. It's not a self-justifier. Your anger, my anger, guess what? It's not a thing that makes me right, good, and beautiful. I want it to do. I want, I'm, 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 I'm wanting that to happen, but it doesn't make me right, good, and beautiful. You don't have to rely even on your anger for making things good, right, and beautiful. That's what we think. My anger is going to bring about the perfection that is going to be good, right, and beautiful. And it never happens. Now, here's the question. Are you made good, right, and beautiful by your own anger? That's God's question. Or are you made good, right, and beautiful by somebody else? Do you accept the anger of God against his own son as enough anger and as enough compassion and mercy and steadfast love? That will not just make us good, right, and beautiful. But it's the only thing that is going to make our enemies good, right, and beautiful too. You see, 
we do have righteous anger. And that's the problem. It's the work that will kill us. Because even getting mad at all the right things is not a work that will bring you to wholeness. Are you made good, right, and beautiful by your own anger? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, our, our anger has been justified thousands of ways. And it's even been another wimpy appeal by my own heart to be made right and good and beautiful by my own work. Jesus, take away our works, even our anger, and replace it with trust and faith in the work of Jesus alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.